recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. faces looking back at you when you preach. It's been a while since we've had that. Um, so great to have some people here and we look forward to seeing uh, more, more of you gathering with us over these next few weeks. Um, and uh, just what a joy it is to be able to worship together um, with its 30 people, 100 people, whether you're at, in your homes, you're still a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You're part of the body of Christ gathered around the throne of Jesus. And uh, it's such an incredible privilege and honor for us to be able to do that because of what Jesus has done for us. Well, this morning, uh, it's my privilege to, to share God's word with you. And uh, we're commencing a new series for the month of November. And as you've heard, uh, our focus is going to be on our volunteers for this month. And just really, again, want to affirm um, what Ebony and Dash have already said. We're so grateful for each of you, uh, those who serve that are here and those uh, of you that are joining us online that serve in so many different ways, so faithfully um, and so sacrificially. And we know for, for many of you, you, you've stepped out of your comfort zone to do things that might not come naturally to you. Uh, many of you have um, really stepped up uh, in, in getting involved and not just being um, you know, uh, an attender. You, you've kind of rolled your sleeves up and you've become a contributor. And we just really appreciate and value you. Um, if you've been a part of PCC for any length of time, you would know that one of our core values is to value people more than their contribution or their gift. But we also recognize that as people serve, um, it is fulfilling God's plan for the church that each part does its work and each part contributes to the whole body of Christ and to the good of the whole and that people are edified and built up as we bring our gifts um, before God in faith. And so um, as, a, as, a, uh, as a church, we're, we're, we're grateful and we really appreciate our volunteers, but also we're just so excited when people feel God's tap on the shoulder and God's nudge to get involved um, and, and stirs their heart to, to, to do something, to get involved, whether it's in the context of the local church or in the community or wherever it is where they feel God prompting on their heart to do something to extend the kingdom of God. And I particularly find that really inspiring and encouraging as people come and, and have that conversation with me and say, Hillary, I really feel God's challenging me to do this, or I really feel a burden in my heart to, to do this in my community or to do this in the church. And I recognize there's a need here and I've heard this need here and I, I'd like to offer my services. I, I, that just really encourages me because of two things. One, I, I see how they grow as they begin to step out, as they begin to serve. I see the impact it has on them and how it uh, stimulates their faith and how it gets them to think beyond themselves and, uh, and the, the, the way being a contributor transforms them. But I also get to see the impact that they have on others as they serve and as they give of themselves, they, they sacrificially give of their time and their energy and their, and their love in, in, in whatever way that God calls them to. I see the impact it has on a, a life that they touch and the difference that they make in somebody else's life. And just seeing how God works in those moments of uh, people just giving of themselves is just exciting and powerful and wonderful. 
And so uh, we're going to take time in our services over the month of November to spotlight and showcase and, and uh, yeah, thank and appreciate our volunteers who serve in so many ways. Because again, uh, I want to say that we would not be able to do all the things that God's called us to do and all the things that God is putting on our heart as a church to be in our community without all of you stepping in to be a part of it. And again, as you would know, our vision at PCC is to see, I would love to see 100% of our congregation serving in some way, you know, being involved in some way. Every single person, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're young, whether you're a young adult, whether you're kids, you know, even in kids' church, we have kids serving each other in kids' church. That's our heart. Uh, that we would all be contributors, that we would all be a vital and important part of the body of Christ at this church. And that it's not just a, a few specialized, very important, spiritual, godly people that get to serve others. No, it's all of us that can contribute. So that's the journey we're on and that's what we're working towards. Um, and we pray that God will continue to bless and use us to make a difference in the world. So um, our preaching series uh, this month, uh, I've entitled it Unlikely Heroes, uh, because we're going to have a look at some characters in the Bible that are exactly that. They're unlikely heroes. Um, because sometimes when we think of heroes in the Bible, when we think of Bible characters, you know, we read their stories in Scripture, and we kind of are amazed at the things that God did through them. And, and they can take on a larger-than-life quality. Uh, we can fall into the trap of thinking that they were superhumans or uh, extraordinary people or super spiritual giants, uh, men and women who stand head and shoulders above everybody else. And that's why they had a significant part in God's work. And, and that's why they did the things they did. And, and when we read their stories in the Bible and we read chapter, chapters like Hebrews 11 and some of the things that God was able to do, we think, oh my goodness, I, I could never do that. that. That can never be my story. And absolutely, you know, there are some people that God used in, in monumental and significant ways in, in God's story, in the salvation story. But there are also others in the Bible that played significant roles in God's kingdom work, but in a, a lot more um, hidden way, a lot less spectacular way, a, uh, in a lot more anonymous way. And yet God was in their story and in their journey. And even when you look at the superheroes, when you look at how they started and how they began, they were ordinary people like you and like me. They were messed up, broken, full of issues, full of flaws, full of challenges, full of limitations, full of weaknesses. And yet God calls them to be a part of his work. And so I trust that this series will inspire us, will encourage us, will stimulate us to think about, hey, maybe God's got something for me to do. Maybe there's something that God is calling me to do and be a part of right now in this moment with all of my brokenness, with all of my limitations, with all of my challenges, with all of my difficulties, with all of the, uh, the complications of the season that I'm in right now. Maybe there's something that God wants me to do. Maybe there's something that I can do to be a part of God's work in the world. So let me pray and we'll jump into our first unlikely hero story this morning. Father, we want to pause and give you praise and give you thanks this morning because you are a great God. You are sovereign and Lord, that you would condescend to use people like me, people like our volunteers, people like the characters in the Bible who are broken and flawed. 
But Lord, we thank you that you do. We thank you that you call us to be a part of your incredible kingdom work in the world. We thank you for each of our volunteers. And Lord, I pray as we come around your word today and as we come around your word every week, uh, every week this month, that you will inspire us, that you will challenge us, that you would encourage us to believe, Father, there is a work that you're calling us to do. There is a way that you want to use us to make a difference in the world. So even today, Lord, I pray that you will give us ears to hear what your spirit might be saying to us, to be discerning of the promptings and the stirring in our heart, Lord, to be a part of your work in the world, to make a difference that will see your kingdom enlarged and expanded uh, in your world in this moment of time and we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So this morning I want to uh, speak from 2 Kings chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, your devices, uh, you can look this passage up uh, at home. If you're joining us, I encourage you to turn to your Bibles and follow along with us. And we're going to look at this unlikely hero of a slave girl, of a slave girl. Her her name's not even mentioned um, and yet she had a profound impact uh, and God used her in, in an incredible way in this story. 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to read the first, say, uh, 10 verses. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly rega- regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel said, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Just a few thoughts this morning, very, very briefly. Firstly, there was a great need. There was a great need. We're told in this story in verse one that Naaman uh, was a great commander, that God had blessed him, that he had had great uh, military success and victory, but he had leprosy. He had leprosy. Now again, we need to be clear that the leprosy mentioned in the Bible related to lots and lots of different skin diseases, all kinds. And so it's really hard to know exactly what this 
skin condition related to. It, it seems like it's different to, to the, the, the current medical understanding of what leprosy is, where you know, bits of your body and your, your digits fall off. It, it seems like this leprosy was a very different kind, not the one that we would know kind of more familiar with today. And it also seems that it, maybe it wasn't even the kind of leprosy that the Bible talks a lot about in Leviticus that required isolation, that required removal from society, that re- required uh, kind, of, kind of stringent quarantining. Because clearly Naaman was able to move around. He was able to even appear before the king of Israel. He seemed to have a lot more freedom. And so sometimes uh, Bible scholars have kind of looked at this and gone, perhaps it was in its very, very early stages. And that's quite possible uh, that it is the, the leprosy that would progress into something more severe. But right now, it seemed like it was very much at the early stages. Either way, what we can tell for sure is that it was still a serious condition, uh, quite likely incurable, and quite likely leading to death. And we can tell that from the way the king of Israel reacts. He said, when he, when he gets this letter saying, okay, I've sent my commander to you, now you need to cure him. He's like, am I God? So clearly there's this understanding, only God could do this. This, is, this requires a supernatural activity. Can I kill and bring back to life? So this idea that Naaman had a death sentence on him because he had this disease. And the king of Israel is like, I can't do this. And he's seeing that the very, uh, the very fact that this, the king of Aram had sent this letter, is like he, he's seeing it as like, you, you're asking me to do something impossible. That's because you just want to pick a fight with me. And because I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to say, I can't do this then you're going to come and do war with me. So clearly, it was a very, very serious situation, a very serious condition that Naaman had, a great need. And so into that context, we we meet this unlikely hero, a slave girl. Now, the writer couldn't have done more to convey to us the the fact that she was a nobody. Uh, Listen to the way he describes her. Uh, She's a young girl or a young maiden. In, in, in the cultural context, the fact that she was young was already strike one. The fact that she's a woman or a young girl is strike two. And then he goes on to say uh, that she was taken captive. So she's a slave. She's, been, she's from a conquered town or city. She's been taken captive. And then he tells us that she was serving in the house of Naaman. So she was the lowest of the low. She was an absolute nobody. And the writer intentionally contrasts the language of description of Naaman as being a valiant, mighty, powerful man with this slave girl, this young girl who was a nobody. Because he wants to give us a sense of the incredible power of God to work in this situation. So here's this nobody. And it's staggering that this slave girl even has the ear of her mistress. That her mistress would give her the time of day. That her mistress would even uh, listen to what she had to say, let alone follow up on it and take her seriously and go, hey, maybe there's some truth here. To the extent where Naaman follows through and actually goes ahead and goes to Israel looking for Elisha. So I want to suggest to you that perhaps this young slave girl had maybe conducted herself in such a way as she served her mistress and her master that gained a hearing with her mistress. That somehow she had conducted herself in such a way that her mistress would take notice of this nobody. 
and actually listen to what she had to say and then follow through with what she was suggesting. So we have a great need, we have an unlikely hero, and we have a simple act. A simple act. Now, when you think about, you know, God using people in the Bible, when you think of some of the supernatural, miraculous things that God did through his people, and when we compare it with this story, not only is she a nothing, but she really does nothing. It's not like she had a solution. It's not like she had a cure. It's not like she had a medical treatment or a remedy to suggest to Naaman. It's not like she could fix Naaman's problem. It's not like she could really do anything to make a difference in Naaman's life. Except a very, very simple thing. She could tell him where to go. Now, some of us, we we do that all the time. We like to tell people where to go. But really, that's all she did. Here is this young girl. And and think about it. Like, she's a young woman. She's a nobody. She's been taken captive, uh, probably away from her family. She has every reason to be bitter, to be angry, to be uh, mad at God for the situation she found herself in taken away from her family into a a different nation, held captive and now forced into uh, slavery and to serve others. She had every reason to turn her back on the God of Israel, to, to feel that God had forsaken her, rejected her, abandoned her. And yet we see her heart is to glorify God. We see her heart is still strong in her faith, what she believed about Yahweh and what Yahweh's prophet could do. And, and she was convinced that God was alive in Israel even though she'd been taken captive. She was convinced, uh, I'm astounded by her faith, that she was so convinced that if Naaman would just go and see Elisha, he would be cured. Not he might be cured, not I think maybe that'll work, but she was convinced that he would be cured. And so we see that the simple thing she did was to express her faith in Yahweh God to her mistress and say, I can't help. I can't fix this. I can't change this. But I can tell you about someone who can. I can tell you about a person who can change your life, who can heal you and and bring transformation into your life. And there's a prophet, and he's a true prophet, and he's a a genuine prophet because he serves the true and living God that lives in Israel. My God, Yahweh. And if you will just go and see him, I am convinced that your life will be different. And the story goes on to tell us that Naaman does, and he goes and sees Elisha. And again, the story is interesting because Naaman goes expecting Elisha to do something fancy to do something dramatic, to do something spectacular, to to come and wave his hands and have this big ritual to bring about his healing. And he's kind of frustrated and disappointed and a bit jaded that all Elisha says to him is, go wash in the river. And one of his assistants who came with him says, look, if he'd asked you to do something really, really difficult, wouldn't you have done it because you want to be healed? But he's asked you to do such a simple thing. Why wouldn't you do it? And so Naaman does and God heals him. And this is the really amazing part, that Naaman begins this journey as not a believer of Yahweh, but because he is healed, he's not just physically healed, but he's spiritually renewed. He becomes a worshiper of Yahweh. And as the passage goes on to say in verse 17, he tries to give Elisha all these gifts and Elisha says, no, no, no. And Naaman says, if you will not, in verse 17, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord, Yahweh. 
but may Yahweh, the Lord, forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down and he's leaning on my arm and I have to bow down there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord, may Yahweh forgive your servant for this. That's just awesome. That not only was his life transformed because he was healed, but he's spiritually transformed. He becomes a believer, a secret believer of Yahweh. And so I want to encourage you, church, all around us are people that have leprosy, a spiritual leprosy that separates them from God, that separates them from the life and relationship that Jesus came to give. And maybe there are those also who are suffering from physical conditions, incurable diseases, desperate needs that nobody else can help them with. Nobody else can fix. And maybe they've shared those things with you. Maybe they've expressed their desperation for you. Maybe you felt so overwhelmed and, and unable to do anything and you, think, you feel so helpless. But there is something you can do, which is what this slave girl did. You can point them to Jesus. You can tell them of the one who came to die on the cross, to reconcile us to the Father, to deal with our spiritual leprosy, the one thing that can separate us from God, which is our sin, which is our defilement before a holy and pure and just God. You can tell them about the love of God displayed on the cross. You can tell them about Jesus who came to bridge the chasm that lay between us as we sang this morning. You can tell them of the one who loves them and desires for them to know him and to be transformed in their body, in their mind, in their emotions, in their spirit, to be renewed, to be healed and made whole in every way. You can tell them about the forgiveness that they can have because of what Jesus did on the cross. You might not feel like you have the right qualifications. You might not feel like you're an anybody. You might not feel like you're a somebody. You might not feel like there's much going for you at all right now. Maybe you feel like this slave girl, the lowest of the low, in a really difficult season yourself. But I encourage you to, 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 to see yourself like she did, as perhaps an unlikely hero that God might be wanting to use right now. And maybe like this slave girl, God's gone before you and placed you exactly where he wants you. In your work situation, in your community, in your neighborhood. And he surrounded you with people like Naaman who are in a desperate situation and who need God's miraculous supernatural intervention in their lives. And he's placed you right there to rub shoulders with them, to, to go to work with them, to go to uni with them, to go to school with them, to, 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 to be a part of their life because God wants to use you not to fix a problem that is beyond anything that anyone can fix, but to point them to the one who can. And maybe it's in that simple act as you step out in faith, as you willingly just say, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Hey, can I tell you about the way Jesus has changed my life? Hey, can I tell you about God's love and how that's transformed me? Hey, can I tell you about how God saved my marriage? Hey, can I tell you about how God healed my child when they were sick? Hey, can I tell you about how God protected me from a really scary, difficult situation that I was in? Hey, can I tell you about how God rescued me from my country when I was fleeing for my life and brought me to Australia? How God went before me? Hey, can I tell you about how God provided for me when I was desperately in need? Hey, can I tell you about the job that God opened for me when I'd been unemployed for a year? Hey, can I tell you my story about the one who has changed my life because I know he can change yours. Will you do that?
Will you, will you step out? Will you step out of your comfort zone? Will you take the risk? Will you be willing to share where someone can go to meet Jesus? Will you invite them to church? Will you invite them to connect group? Will you invite them to come and see and, and go to the one that can make a difference in their life? I trust you will. Imagine the difference we can make if all of us had that kind of impact on just one person. Just one person. The story doesn't go on to tell us how Naaman lived his life and the, and the difference he made and how his encounter with Yahweh changed. Uh, he changed his life by what ongoing impact it had. But I have heard countless stories of how one person touched another individual and the ripple effect on generations to come of that one person who encountered Jesus. Imagine the impact we could have if we just prayed for and sought opportunity to tell one person about Jesus. I pray that you will be challenged to believe that God can and wants to use you. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and just take a moment even now to open your heart to God, to listen to God. Maybe he will drop the name of that one person at home where you're watching Maybe as you just allow the Holy Spirit to come into this moment, maybe God will bring someone to mind, give you a mental picture or drop a name to you, someone you work with, someone you know, someone in your family, someone in your neighborhood, your school or your university that you can start to pray for, that you can be used by God to tell them about Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're at work in the world. Father, sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we, Lord, are so unaware of the way you're at work. But Lord, as we go to your word, we see how you set things up. How you are at work through unlikely people like this slave girl. To touch just even one person. And Father, we thank you for this moment in our time, in our moment, in our season. Father, where you've placed us, the people that you've placed around us. Lord, there are needs and there are brokenness and there are desperate situations. And Lord, if nothing else, Lord, they're all struggling with a spiritual leprosy that separates them from you. But Lord, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, they no longer need to. They can be healed of that disease. They can be forgiven of their sin and be brought into intimacy and relationship with you and brought into the family of God. And Lord, I pray right now, even this, in this moment, that you will put someone on our heart to be praying for, to be thinking about, to be looking for those opportunities to point them to Jesus. And I pray, Lord, will you use each of us in whatever season we're in, wherever we're at, in our own journey. And Lord, some of us might feel like we're like this slave girl. We're nobodies and we're, we've been taken captive. And we, Lord, we've got every reason to be bitter and angry and twisted. And, and Lord, to be uh, wanting just to focus on ourselves. And yet we see in her such deep faith in you and, and a desire to see you glorified and a desire to see your name made great in the, in the life of this 
a man that, Lord, she was willing to step out and take a risk and tell him about Yahweh. May we be like that, Lord. May we be so aware of your glory, so filled with your love that we would reach out to others that they too might see the wonder and glory of Jesus. Be with us, Lord. Bless us. And even this week, will you give us opportunities to make a difference in somebody's life? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're watching with us and, and maybe... You know, something I've said has really touched you and spoken to you. Maybe you recognize your spiritual condition. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've not asked God to forgive you and cleanse you and and you recognize that your sin is separating you from God. I encourage you, stick around to the end of this service. There'll be slides there of how you can reach out to us and contact us. We would love to tell you about Jesus. And maybe you have a sickness or maybe you have a need and, and you're desperate. Please reach out to us so that we can share about the love of God with you. We can pray for you and we can support you and encourage you because there is hope in Jesus. No matter how desperate your situation might seem and feel, there is hope in Jesus. And we encourage you to reach out to us so we can share with you the love and life you can find in him. Well, thank you for joining us. God bless you. Have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.